The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's 3.07 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. And as you've been hearing for the better part of the day right here on 6.30 Chet, some great news today for users of the southwest leg of the Anthony Henday. Alberta Transportation Minister Brian Mason made this announcement earlier today. We have some really good news this morning. We're going to expand the southwest leg of Anthony Henday Drive from four to six lanes or three in each direction. Uh, I'm very well aware Uh, of the bottlenecks and the traffic jams that occur on the segment of the Henday between 111th Street and White Mud Drive, particularly during rush hour. Budget 2018 includes the required funding to alleviate this problem. Last October, I indicated that design work was underway. We're on track to complete the design this year and we expect to begin construction next year. We anticipate construction will take about three years to complete. Once the widening is complete, free flow travel on Edmonton's 80-kilometer ring road will be even more efficient. The southwest leg of Henday was originally designed to accommodate 40,000 vehicles a day. Today, on average, it can reach more than 80,000 vehicles on a daily basis. Easing traffic congestion in and around our major urban areas is about much more than mere convenience. It's about quality of life. Spending less time in traffic reduces frustration. It means more time for our family, more time for our own pursuits, and it enhances the quality of life for Edmontonians. Well, as you just heard, construction on the $100 million widening project expected to start in the spring. The stretch of Henday runs through City Councillor Tim Cartmel's ward, my ward as well. He joins us on the phone this afternoon. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I have to ask, uh, it was uh, the Anthony Henday originally designed to be able to be expanded, mm-hmm. but this is certainly well ahead of expectations for when it would be expanded. Why is that? Well, I think we've just seen that uh, that the traffic needs have overwhelmed this corner of the city. I don't know that um, if, you, if you go back to when the Henday was originally constructed, that started in about 1995, if memory serves, with the city. Uh, actually building the the road along the west edge. And I don't know that anybody anticipated the amount of growth we've seen over the past 10, 15 years, uh, you know, to have anticipated that need way back then. (laughs) You know, it's a chicken and egg situation, though, right? Because when you put in something like Anthony Henday, you're going to draw businesses Mm -hmm. and uh, residential development to an area. So I guess my question is, are we expanding it enough in anticipation yeah. of what else is going to happen in the area? Should, yeah, uh, that's what. It, do we need more than an extra lane in right. each direction? Well, the, the question is, you know, what is creating that demand on the Henday? And there's a combination of factors there. So, uh, keeping in mind that this is a provincial highway, mm. and provincial highways are. Uh, connect communities, first of all, but, you know, at at longer distances, uh, and secondly, are about moving uh, goods and services throughout the province. So 
while we see, while we tend to uh, to see the Henday as a commuter road that serves Edmonton morning and evening, it is also uh, a major trade highway that connects Grand Prairie with the Port of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, technically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we've got uh, we have a lot of traffic that moves through our community. We have a lot of traffic that moves around our region, and the Henday serves those purposes as well. So, uh, you know, when you add the commuter load at rush hour to that road, is when we re- we see problems. What uh, what this does is it gives us the capacity to have a, a well-moving road for uh, what is predicted to be the next 20 years, and that gives us a 20-year window to begin to add, you know, potentially other solutions and other channels to that commuter component of that traffic. Tim, I'm guessing that when you ran for a Ward 9 city councillor, um, that the Anthony Henday and how it would always get bunged up at 111th Street and to Williger and Lassard and Cameron Heights was probably something that you heard about a lot. Yes, we did. Uh, number two on the hit parade, really. Uh, number one would have been Twilliger Drive mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that corridor. So, yes, absolutely, the Henday was top of mind for a lot of people. So, good, obviously, good news today. And it's like, whew, can, right, they can knock that one off the yeah, list. Yeah, well, we're knocking number two off the list. Let's talk about number one since you brought it up. Terwilliger Drive. Terwilliger Drive <laughs> is, a, is an odd one, Tim. What, what was it designed to do? Because it seems like it was designed to be a ramp, basically, to connect... <laughs> white mud with um anthony henday but it it's turned into something it's i don't even know what it's what it's supposed to do well keep in mind that the first parts of uh and call it you know the twilliger white mud corridor uh start at quinnell bridge really and mm-hmm. you know that first uh, overpass of 53rd avenue was built in the 70s late you know late 70s early 80s i don't know that anybody uh designing that freeway designing white mud drive uh and designing this this little tail that would come off it called twilliger drive ever anticipated there being uh you know a giant ring road in the mm-hmm. uh uh, where the Henday is now, uh, or would ever have foreseen the amount of development we would have seen in the Southwest. So uh, I think that circumstances changed as that road has evolved, and uh, so we're stuck with what we have today. Is it going to be expanded? Capacity is going to be added to Twilliger Drive. It, uh, there's a number of ways to do that, and those options are being explored. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see more of what city administration thinks uh, are potential solutions there probably uh, in September. With, uh, because that whole, that whole 40th Avenue issue yeah. is going to be uh, you know, front and center with Twilliger Drive. 40th Avenue is the first, is the most northern intersection on Twilliger Drive, yeah. for sure. So we start there. Uh, you know, frankly, Twilliger connects to White Mud, and, and uh, that has that and 40th Avenue almost become one thing because they're so close together. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see solution sets that, that address both those things, uh, yeah, sometime in the fall. So, Tim, just to take one more swing at this uh, horse, um, <laughs> Twilliger to me, and I drive it every day, yes, sir. looks like roughed-in plumbing. It looks like it was designed to do more than it does, and it looks like there's room for possibly even an overpass, I don't know, at 40th or 23rd, or it looks like when they designed it, they said, okay, down the road, we're going to do this. Is there a down the road for Twilliger, and what is the this? Well, the this is the question. Uh, Certainly, you're right. You know, Twilliger Drive right now today is a series of uh, essentially temporary roadways that would one day become off-ramps and on-ramps to a a freeway. Mm. Uh, So that was was you know, what was built over the last several decades in anticipation of that. The this is, is a bit of a question. You know, mm-hmm. what is the best use of resources? 
uh, you know, to uh, freeways take a long time to build. Uh, you know, we're still working on the Henday, for instance, and that's, you know, entering its third decade of construction. So um, we need to decide just what the this is, uh, what the best bang for our dollars are, and what will serve the most people in the best way. You know, I have to ask, Tim, because you're a new councillor. Well, not anymore, but you're new to this particular council. What has been the biggest eye-opener for you since joining council? Oh, that's, you know, I've been asked that a lot. Uh, and I guess uh, the amount of time that uh, the council puts in, uh, you know, you you see that. You see that in the councillors that come before you, and, and you're given that advice. Uh but it, there's a lot of time and energy that is required to do this well. And so uh, uh, it, that, that, I guess, is probably the biggest eye-opener. I'm just going to say, Tim, you know, you say about doing it well. We, we hear a lot uh, every day on this show, especially with uh, when we have city projects that turned in, turn into be a bit of a mess, whether it's an LRT line, whether it's, um, you know, a facility for the electric buses that end up costing a bit more, whatever it is. We hear a lot of people um, concerned about, I think, what they believe is, what's the right word, Andrew? Not proper management of big projects. They, yeah. they, they, uh, my impression is, and I want you to have the opportunity to answer it, my impression is that a lot of our listeners feel as though that our city council doesn't possess the skill to properly manage big projects. You must have heard that from your constituents. Absolutely, we heard that consistently, and and remembering that the election campaign was in the midst of uh, you know a couple of projects that were struggling to get across the finish line. So. Uh, well, three really, right? The two bridges and the metro mm-hmm. line. So, yes, we've heard that. Um, each one has its own set of circumstances. Uh, I think administration has uh, taken steps to try to correct those circumstances, but these things, these things linger. You know, they stay in the news mm-hmm. day after day, week after week, with with uh, seemingly no solution set. So, um, I. I think we need to remember that, uh, you know, council sets direction, administration executes, and uh, that's not to defer the question or deflect it. I think that at times council uh, perhaps gets too deep into the weeds, perhaps <laughs> council goes off in too many directions at once, and, and administration is compelled to follow. And, uh, you know, perhaps so there's, there's not necessarily a, a stick-to-the-mission thing that, that perhaps council should do. And so... So what are you doing about that? Well, I'm trying to stick to the mission, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, even just the conversation I just left was uh, was talking about, you know, asking for ever more reports on ever other topics. And, Uh. and, you know, I'm I'm concerned particularly this year. Uh, We have a lot to do between now and the end of the year in terms of a 10-year capital plan, a 40-year capital plan, operations plan, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm concerned with the workload that we continue to put on administration uh, that might be leading to a lack of focus. And uh, I think we really need to focus on what's important, and I'm trying to do that myself. You know, I often talk about, because it's hard not to when you co-host a talk show, you, you, you talk a lot about politics, and then you think, you know what, I'm going to run. I'm going to, although bad, I don't know if it's good or bad news for you because I'm in your writing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, you think about running. And then in, with sober second thought, you think, no, because I'm just going to get there and be frustrated by the bureaucracy that I can't change. And I think about 
your involvement, for example, in school zones and playground zones and where the signs should go and where they shouldn't go. And it's, I don't know that it's a huge deal, um, except that, again, it's another one of those frustrating situations where I think you had the right idea, but the execution wasn't there. It just gets add to, added to the list. Right. And, and I guess people just want to know, how does stuff like that happen where an industrial area has a, has a playground zone sign or... You know, and then we get it right the second time, and people want to know why don't we get it right the first time? Well, and uh, you know, you've heard me say that, right? There's there's never time to do it right, but always time to do it again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's so. How do we break that cycle? And you know, uh, and I and part of what I'm doing, I guess, as I as I you know continue my uh, my integration into this work is is to look for those common threads or those common themes and. Quite frankly, so far there hasn't been one. You know, the you know, the Metro Line has its own source of, of issues. For instance, uh, you know, the Grote Bridge was you know a bit of a circumstance of of weather, and that's not excusing what happened, but that played a factor. Uh, playground zones. You know, council told administration, go put a sign in front of every school, every field, and every playground. Yeah. Administration has better processes than that when they design roads, when they decide where speed reduction zones go, where they decide what the next best crosswalk is. Uh, and council essentially instructed them not to follow those processes and just do. And now we're backtracking. That's a council error, not an administrative error. So what I, again, what I want to do is, is continue to say, let's stick to good policy. Uh, let's not take administration away from what they do best every day. Uh, let's give them some guiding principles. Let's say, examine, ex- you know, for instance, the establishment of playground zones, but let's not tell them how to do their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point, and I, you nailed it with that, because it, you have to free the hands of those individuals who do this for a living and have for years and would know that it doesn't make sense to put a playground zone mm-hmm. sign in front of an industrial park. But I understand I'm demanding uh, and our listeners are demanding that you have greater oversight into what's going on. But sometimes too much oversight is too much. Right. You just have to let these guys do their job. Sometimes less is more, you know, and and, uh, you know, I don't need it's not I as a counselor don't need to tell a traffic engineer. It's a bad idea to have a sign on every lamppost as you travel down a road. They know that there's, you know, there's codes that tell you that. Uh, so what I have to do as a counselor is avoid telling them to do something that's contrary to best practice. Yeah, as I always say, there shouldn't have to be a rule that you need to put on pants on to go to a meeting. People should just know. Uh, hey, Tim, well, can I ask? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What did you want to say? No, no, that's fine. I'll leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> probably the best yeah, idea. Darn. Uh, real quickly, you uh, followed in the footsteps of a counselor who I think was the longest standing counselor on City Council, mm-hmm. Brian Anderson. Uh, how many times has he uh, reached out to contact you and tell you what you should be doing? Uh, more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cartmel, Award 9 City Councillor. Tim, thank you for joining us this afternoon, and thank you for being so candid in your comments as well. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks Very for your good. time. Thank you. It's 322. Hey, here's a follow-up on a story we had uh, some time ago. Of course, you all heard about it, the Griespa uh, Memorial Plaque yeah. theft. Remember that? Oh, it was I like do. just such a senseless... 
thing. Commemorative plaques honoring military veterans and achievements stolen from the community of Griesbaugh. Is that how you say it? Griesbaugh, yeah. Griesbaugh in North Edmonton in July 2017. The event got a lot of media attention. Our show included uh, 15 plaques were later recovered by a scrap dealer. Uh, a lot of them were so damaged they couldn't be uh, used again. They've all been replaced. Well, the individual was charged. Um, he's and expected now to expect plead to enter guilty. A guilty plea. Mm-hmm. Well, so we Ra- should. Ramella Joseph Wolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just a scavenger for money kind of situation, but jeez. Well, what was it? There was one not too long ago at um, the the cop was it copper bronze plaques, whatever they were, yeah. at a cemetery as well popped off um, uh, a headstone. Right, and that's it. You know, copper and and different metals and stuff. Uh, this is obviously not the first time that it happens. I think the the fact that it was on a on a war memorial, yeah, um, or if it you know on a, on a headstone is just it's appalling to most. Exactly. Of that's us. a good word it's for it. It's appalling. Yeah. that anyone would do that. But I'm glad they got the guy. I'm glad he'll uh, yeah. pay some dues for it. Exactly. And hey, did you see this? We've been talking about it. I know you're a huge soccer fan, Andrew. You know I am. Um, the World Cup bar hours um, are going to be open. So whenever the games start... <laughs> So, because a bunch of the games, well, it is. It's set the tournament's to start hosted June 14th, in Russia yeah, like tomorrow. It, uh, June 14th, oh, so that's Thursday. End on July 15th. The tournament, as you just mentioned, yeah. in Russia. So, with the time difference and so on, the bar hours don't line up. So, there can start liquor service at the beginning of each FIFA World Cup game. Huh. When those games start outside of regular serving hours without receiving a red card. Uh-huh. So, here's my question. If you're in a bar... Uh, with extended hours as a result of the World Cup, do you have to put the game on TV? Can you can you just do something else? Can we watch Wheel of Fortune? Like reruns of, uh, I don't know, Gilligan's Island? Can you, does it have to be, does anyone get a check to see if you're actually watching soccer? Soccer, very popular, is the most popular sport in the world. It's just my, not my thing. Two and a half hours later, zero, zero. Nil, 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 nil. But when they do score, oh, go, my, go, 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 go! I know. I, I, there's two aspects of soccer that I do quite enjoy, but I'm not prepared to put in the three and a half days to watch it. Uh, one is don't text us. No, it's I know. You, if you love soccer, love soccer. Go, yeah, love That's soccer. good. Don't yeah. text us. Embrace it. Kiss it. Love it. Um, and don't tweet me either. Because no, please don't. I got into it with someone a couple weeks back. Yeah, don't. You know what? Don't even communicate with us by uh, Twitter because <laughs> we don't see it till we get home anyway, and then it just annoys no, us. No, you can tweet us. Okay. Anyway, what was I just saying? Oh, the two things. One is the announcers. Go. Whatever. I can't do it with my voice as bad as it is right now. Uh, the other is the injuries because my goodness. Uh, you the know, injuries? Oh, just the guys, you know, they're nowhere near anyone else. They go flying onto the ground and hold their knee yeah. and rhythm, rhythm in pain. Oh, it's very There's no crying in soccer. Oh, there's a ton of crying in soccer. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.